few minutes tonight and show you a truth that I think is applicable. VBS being a uh, a great illustration, a three or four day long illustration of the truth that I want to mention tonight. Second uh, Timothy chapter two. And let's look at verses 23 through 26. The Word of God says, But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender stripes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be a gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And let's pray. Lord, help us tonight as we discuss this important topic of ministry. And we ask that you would give us clarity. And the VBS that we've just had is a great backdrop, an illustration of the truths we're going to learn tonight. So I pray that you would Give us wisdom in the few minutes we're going to take this evening, and may these verses guide us in ministry uh, until we see you. Please forgive us of our sin, give us strength uh, of mind and heart, and help us to uh, follow you and serve you always. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tonight I want to talk for just a few minutes on the subject, ministering to difficult people. Uh, We did that this week, didn't we? Ministering to difficult people. And I sit in the office one night after everybody uh, was gone, and it was late. And uh, I wrote down, just uh, handwritten on a scratch piece of paper, the Lord was working on my heart about this idea of dealing with difficult people. And uh, the Lord reminded me of some things, and I think that helped me finish the week stronger uh, than, than I would have. And then I thought, boy... Uh, for all of us, as much as we did talk about, and we could all name a few names, amen, that uh, this week were difficult, uh, the Lord does use them to help us, and if we're wise, we can learn how to help them. And so I, I just want to give you a couple thoughts here. Uh, the, as the world gets further away from God, people get more difficult to minister to for Jesus. Would you agree with that? Uh, We finished VBS this week, and we were reminded that people who need God often don't know how to accept help. Sometimes the people that need God the most don't know how to receive help. So now we've got a conundrum. We're supposed to help people that don't want help, or perhaps they want it but don't know how to receive it, or they want it but don't recognize it when you give it to them. And the the text verses we just read, and we'll go over them in a minute, talked about those that oppose themselves, that our job is, our calling is to help those that are hurting themselves and pushing away people that are trying to help them. And so we know some children are difficult. Uh, There was a young lady here on Wednesday night. She had a little bit of trouble, well, quite a bit of trouble, but finally they brought her to me and we talked to her and she did a little bit better that night. The next night uh, she came back and literally was just uh, uncompliant and everything, to the point to where there was one teenage worker that was assigned to her all night. Just make sure she doesn't hurt herself, and make sure she doesn't hurt anybody else. 
She didn't want to go where she was told. She didn't want to sit. She didn't want to stay in the areas that she was supposed to stay into. And, uh, you know, we can't physically handle them unless they are going to hurt themselves or somebody else. And there's all these different rules and guidelines and, and such. And so what do you do with the child that's just totally uncompliant? Uh, we had to figure that out, and we do have resources in place for that. Uh, I thought about one young man on the North Kingstown bus. I was driving one night, and I heard him kept, he was sitting back here right behind me, and he kept mouthing off and uh, to everybody. I mean, to kids, to workers. Finally, Brother Mark went over and started talking to him, and uh, he started mouthing off to Brother Mark. And I thought, am I going to have to get out of this seat and, like, restrain Brother Mark? But no, he did a great job. But I was looking up in the mirror, and literally Brother Mark had just leaned down because the bus was noisy. Brother Mark leaned down to just talk to him so he could hear him. I need you to stop that. And the boy rose up and got right in Brother Mark's face. I'm just a taunt. And I forget what he said to you, but I was like, whoa. Yeah, probably not. He said, you don't want to know. Probably not. Um, But he handled that right. And so this young man, all week, you know, he was, he was like off and on like a switch. He'd be sweet for a while, and then all of a sudden he'd get rebellious and, and uncompliant, and then you could talk to him, and he'd get sweet again. It's almost like a light switch. And so uh, what do we do? The one girl, after Thursday night, we had to tell her she couldn't come back the next night. Uh, because the, the rule of thumb is, if you're going to dis- so disrupt the program that everybody else here can't get what God wants for them, then you can't be here. Uh, we, we'll, we'll help you as much as we can, we'll love you, we'll give you chances and opportunities, but you're not going to ruin it for everybody else. And so we do have lines, but also the scripture we just read told us that we have to, as servants of the Lord, we have to know how to minister to difficult uh, people. Uh, last year I had to call the police, and there was a young man that was literally pushing and uh, even uh, took a swing at, at a worker, but... Uh, wouldn't listen, and so I've, I've got the South Kingstown police on my speed dial. That's a story I'll tell you another time that happened right back there in the foyer years ago. And so I've got him right there, and I said, I'm standing back at the back door, and he's trying to push back in the door, and we're getting him on the bus to take him home. And uh, he's saying all kinds of stuff. Brother Britt will remember this well. And uh, uh, he was saying everything, uh, calling us names and up and down and cussing us. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my daddy beat you up. And I'm going to tell my mama you hit me. And I'm going to, I mean, just everything in the book. And then I'm standing at the back door. And he's literally trying to push me out of the way to get back in the building because he wanted to be in the building. And so I, I got it out and I got my little uh, phone out here. And I turned to speed dial and I said, buddy, I said, I got the South Kingstown police right here on speed dial. And I said, if you don't stop right now, I'm going to call. No, you won't. And as soon as I did, he started crying like a baby. I mean, he literally crumpled on the ground crying. And he started yelling, don't let him tase me. Don't let him tase me. And I thought, what have you been watching? You know, who you've been listening to? And uh, we finally, and I called the police and said, hey, I got a situation here. And I'm just letting you know. They said, do you need us to come? I said, I don't think I need you now. But if, if he gives us any more trouble before we get him home, I'll give you a call. Could you come? They said, sure. And I said, just write a report on it so you know we called. Man, he got in the bus then. But then he got home, and he's like, I'm going to tell my mama you did this, and I'm going to tell my – well, he was, he was telling his dad's going to beat us up. I told Brother Brent, he doesn't even have a dad. And uh, just, just spouting off. And so we get home, and I, I walk up to his mom, and I called his mom's name, knocked on the door, and she saw him. Uh, the, the little boy's name, of all things, was Messiah. 
the anti-Messiah. Anyway, and uh, oh, he's, he's a good boy, but I mean, he's just, he could come sometimes, but he just lost it that night, just totally lost it. And so I'm standing at the door, and I said, I'm sorry. I called his mom's name. He was doing this, and he was doing this, and he was cursing. And he, and he said, well, the pre- they were cussing me out to his mom. And I'm glad mom had enough sense to say, the preacher wasn't cussing you out. <laughs> you know, she started yelling at her son, and they like got into an argument right there. But I'm like, these things happen. So let me be honest with you. Some churches don't want the problems. They stop dealing with kids. Some churches don't want the legal exposure. They stop running the buses. Some churches think it's not worth the effort and the money and all of these things to go through it. Listen, you all worked yourself to death this week. It's awful hard when you're killing yourself to help people, and the people you're trying to help are sitting right there giving you the business, and you're like, what? And some churches fold. Some Christians quit. Some walk away. But we're crazy enough to keep doing it year after year and not just doing it. But we go out and get more kids and more kids and new kids and and all of these things. But why and how we know why, because uh, Jesus wants us to and we're to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. We're to suffer little children to come. But but how do we deal with this? And so. We also consider, though, difficult children grow up into difficult adults. And oftentimes, children are the way they are because their parents are the way they are. And we we forget that. We live in a generation where people that weren't raised properly are having babies and they don't know how to raise them. And so difficult children grow up into difficult adults and difficult people don't listen to instruction. They don't recognize authority. They don't consider the consequences of their actions. And often they can't identify the help when it comes. And we know we know the problems. I mean, we could talk about them. They're born in sin. Psalm 51 5 says, behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. We understand they're born. Every child is born with foolishness bound in the heart. Proverbs 22 15 says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. And listen, we've all looked at children or adults and said, you just need a spanking. I mean, I've looked at 30, 40, 50 year olds and been like, you need a spanking. Uh, Because there there is wisdom to be gained in these things. You got to also realize they're surrounded by sin. Difficult people are often their, their lives. They're surrounded by sin. Sin is modeled in front of them every day. Things that you would never do or say don't do, that's what they see every single day of their lives. And I'm not just talking about kids, I'm talking about adults. We see this in the prison. They get saved in the prison, they're repenting in the prison, then they get out of prison and they go right back into that world where they're surrounded by the same old sins and before you know it, they get sucked right back into that life. They're surrounded by it. And then they, uh, difficult people, they, they push boundaries. They, even if they know what the boundaries are, they push against them, they try to wiggle around them, and then they usually have no understanding of consequences. So we recognize the problems, we see all of these things, but let me give you a thought that, that the Lord reminded me of this week, and that is difficult people reveal the gaps in our leadership. Dealing with difficult people reveals the gaps in our leadership. How do you lead people that don't want to be led? How do you help people that don't want to be helped? Do we just say, not my problem? 
Or do we say, God wants us to help these people. He put me in their life for a reason. So I need to find some way to try to get through to them. And uh, what happens is, is we can get lazy in our leadership of people. Often we can rely on the position. Uh, a boss can be a lazy leader and he relies on the position of boss. Well, I can fire you. Uh, a parent sometimes gets lazy in their leadership and just, just relies on their position. I'm mom, I'm dad. Of course you got to listen to me. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And all that's true. But we can get lazy and just rely too much on our, our position. But what if you come up against someone that doesn't respect your position? Now what do we do? Are there any more tools in the toolbox? Yes, there are. Uh, we sometimes even rely on intimidation. A boss says, do that again and I'll fire you. Intimidation. A parent says, do that again and I'll spank you. And I am for applauding the, uh, applying the rod of correction in calmness and in a proper way with the proper spirit according to the scripture. There, there's no other way to get the, the result that God intended. But it's got to be done right and appropriately. But let me tell you this. What about, what about people that you can't use that tool with? And even as a parent, I'm challenged. Sometimes we get lazy and we start raising our voice and yelling. That's lazy parenting. We start raising our voice and threatening. That's lazy parenting. But we have enough tools, whether it be our position or uh, 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 intimidation or the, the tools where we can put the squeeze on them properly and, and rightly. But what happens when people don't respect your leadership or fear the consequences? Can you still lead. Let me, wor- let me warn all of our parents, if we're not careful and we get lazy in our parenting, we get lazy in our leadership, that's when kids grow up and as soon as they're as big as you, they stop listening. And as soon as they got other options, they're gone. So we need to understand how to deal with difficult people. And I'm not just talking about bus kids. I'm not just talking about lost people out there. Sometimes Christians, backslidden Christians, are difficult to deal with. Sometimes your kids and my kids are difficult to deal with. And hey, can we be honest? Sometimes their parents are difficult to deal with. That's me and you. And so what do we do? Let's look at the the verses here and we'll be done. Uh, These verses give us a lot of wisdom. You can't help everybody. And this is something you have to go into helping difficult people. You have to lay it down. You can't help everybody. There's some people that no matter how hard you try, they're not going to accept your help. And the Bible tells us in verse 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strife. So uh, right before the verse where he tells us we have to learn how to deal with difficult people, he tells us, listen, there's just some things that you're not going to, you're just going to have to avoid them. I'm not playing that game. I'm not going there. I'm not doing those things. I can't help you if this is how you continually respond. And oftentimes you have to pull back your leadership and wait for something to change in their heart and life until you can help them. We've all chased after people too long that didn't want help. Can we agree with that? And sometimes we're chasing the people that don't want help while there's people that do if we would just help them. And so the Bible says you can't help everybody, but we should try. And Uh, These verses 24 through 26, look at the phrasing here. A servant of the Lord shall not strive. What does that mean? It means to quarrel, to dispute, to fight. 
we cannot have an argumentative or a brawling spirit when it comes to the service of the Lord. That's why the Bible says about a pastor, you can't be a brawler. You know, when you're when you're a pastor, you can't settle disputes with your fists. Although we know I could. We know I could know. Uh, I'd probably get get beat up more times than not. As some of you out there are saying, I could take you. I could take you. That's how men think, right? And so, uh, but there's many things in life that you can't fix with a physical solution. And so the Bible tells pastors right up front, you cannot be a brawler. You cannot have this spirit. But the Bible also says any, any servant of the Lord, uh, they must not strive. You've got to get rid of that debating, quarreling spirit. We're not in the ministry to argue with people. We're in the ministry to help people. Does that make sense to you? Uh, look here. It says, A servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. The word gentle means mild or kind. And so this tells us that we can't just raise our voice to get what we want. We can't just bow up and, and get bigger and, and, and intimidate and threaten to get what we want. The truth is we get more done with God's help by having a, a spirit that is not striving spirit and a gentle spirit. So sometimes when you find yourself pushing and you're starting to lean into that problem, sometimes what you need to do is lean back and become gentle. And you can get more done that way. But the Bible says, be gentle unto all men, good men, bad men, nice men, mean men, uh, apt to teach. The word there speaks about uh, instructive we have a spirit where I want to help people. I'm not trying to win an argument. I'm trying to help you. I want to teach you a different way to live, not just argue about who's right or wrong. All right, look what the Bible says. Patient. The servant of the Lord must be patient. What does that mean? Enduring of ill. The servant of the Lord has to learn to deal with difficult situations patiently and not blow up, not quarrel, not get hard, not get angry, not start yelling. But to patiently deal with someone sometimes that doesn't want help. And you talk to them and they give you static. And you try to help them and they give you a problem. And your, your, your kindness is met with rebellion. What do you do? Then it talks about in meekness, verse 25, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. Meekness is gentleness. It's a humble gentleness. Meekness is someone that has power under restraint. I'm not going to use all of my power to get the job done. I'm not going to go get an, an M4 rifle or a 12-gauge shotgun to kill a fly. Do you ever know someone like that in leadership? I mean, any little problem, I mean, they go from zero to 100. I mean, it's a problem. Boom! What happened? What? How could you do that? Man, what's going Whoa! just happened some of you just woke up didn't you <laughs> but you've seen that so just woke Abigail up sorry and uh, uh, some of you've seen that that's not okay and by the way how's that working for you and so we have to in meekness instructing those and again it's new information that changes people it's not more yelling it's not more pressure it's not uh, uh, trying to force it, it's new information, and the information is the Word of God. And so we have to just give them more Bible, new applications, new connection, new truth. And so these verses tell us what to do. Let me just 
read you a couple thoughts and we'll be done. How do, how do you put this into practice? Dealing with difficult people. Number one, remember where they came from. It helped me this week to remember where some of these kids came from. They have no training. They have no structure. They have no follow through. And sometimes they don't even have love. Sometimes they don't have food. Sometimes they have no stability. We spent on, I think it was Thursday or Friday night, we spent a few minutes in class teaching the children how to sit still. And every one of them did it. I doubt anybody in their life has ever set them down and expected them to sit still. But you know what? After they sat still, boy, it was great teaching that message, wasn't it? I mean, they listened to the Bible. No, no talking out, no craziness. And, of course, we were greasing the way with some bucks and those types of things. And what I did is I said, all right, we're going to play a game. How many of you, I'll give you a dollar, uh, a Bronco buck, if you sit still. And one guy's like, how about five? You know, now the negotiations started, right? And uh, oh, so we worked it down to two. I really wanted to start at two, so I got them where I wanted. But um, I had them sit there for 60 seconds and not move. And they all did it. And one guy wanted to earn more money, so he did it longer. Longer than he had to. And so after we congratulated them, we worked it all out. And uh, I said, you guys just showed me that you can sit still when you want to. And they're all like. (laughs) And so I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sit through the lesson, do what you just did. I mean, they were sitting up straight and tall. They had their hands in their lap, nothing in their hands, feet on the floor or dangling. I mean, sitting there quietly, looking right on, not messing around, not talking. And they got a reward at the end, but it was wonderful. And I thought about years ago, you could just tell the children, all right, everybody sit down. Look up here. Listen. It doesn't work today, does it? And so, but, but we all have to understand where they come from. Uh, number two, speak with respect. When you start talking down to them and you start getting down on their level, you've, won, you've lost the battle. So you stay respectful, and that makes you respectable. And then you can say, I'm respecting you. I'd like some respect in return. I'm going to treat you like a young man. I'm not going to treat you like a baby. Don't act like a baby. I won't treat you like one. I'm going to treat you like a young man, but I want you to respect me. I'll respect you. You respect me. Once you lose that and it gets down into the the chaos and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, we could not start getting in a fight with these kids. We're all in trouble. Number three, identify the problem. What is the problem? Last Sunday, one of our bus kids had a total blowout screaming, yelling, I mean an older boy. What happened? His brother took his Bible. Now, if somebody's going to throw a fit, I'd rather it be over the Bible than a piece of candy or something. But, I mean, you also don't want a 10, 11-year-old boy throwing a fit, you know, screaming on the floor. Not the way to handle things. But you identify the problem. So remember where they came from, speak with respect, identify the problem, and then offer a solution. See, if it took me one night uh, one, the, the girl that came to us Wednesday night, it took me five minutes to get her to talk to me. And her teacher didn't have that luxury. And I told her, I said, you can't do that in class. You did everything you could. That's why we have these procedures. Is because it took me five minutes just to get her to speak to me and tell me what was bothering her. And then once I learned the problem, I offered a solution and a creative solution. And then they were okay with that. 
Uh, now, this is, this is the, how, the, how it works, though. The next night, that didn't work. The next night, we were back up to striving. And I just had to say, we're, we can't function like this. We're not going to work like this. All right, so number one, remember where they came from. Number two, speak with respect. Number three, identify the problem. Number four, offer a solution. Number five, communicate expectations. Tell them exactly what you expect in plain terms. Number six, draw a boundary. This is what is acceptable. This is what's unacceptable. And then clearly explain the consequences. If you do this, if you do right, here is the reward. If you do wrong, this is the consequence. But then you have to follow through. Once you draw that line and you say this is the reward, this is the consequence, you have to do what you say. You have to give them the reward you promised or, or you offered, and you have to give them the consequence. That's why we teach you in junior church and stuff. If someone's bad, you don't say, if you do that again, you can't ride the bus. You, you can never ride the bus again. Well, now what are you going to do? You just made yourself a liar. Because they're going to push your button. And oftentimes we, we tell our bus workers this and we tell other people, you will have to leave a kid home. There are Sundays where you have to say you can't come. And then what happens is if they're really into it, they correct themselves, and then they know next time you mean business. You're going to follow through. We have to understand these people are dealing with people in their lives that rarely keep their word. Nobody means anything. Yes doesn't mean yes. No doesn't mean no. But jails are filled with people that the first person in their life that kept them to the, the, the law was the policeman that cuffed them. And the judge that they stood before. And you'd be surprised how many of these young people stand in a courtroom shocked that they're going to jail. Shocked that three, five years of their life is gone. What happened? What, what, what do you mean? What, what, how did this happen? Well, you knew breaking and entering was wrong. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. And so when we're dealing with difficult people, this is the way. We go about it, and I thought that tonight would be a great time to talk about this since we have the backdrop of most of us have just had a lot of practice dealing with difficult people. But you know what? And what, what we found is, just like you said tonight in the testimonies, if you can break through that, you'll find a little jewel. If you can break through the hurt and the, the chaos and the anger and the pain, you'll find just a little sweet heart that is dealing with way too much life way too fast and they don't know how to handle it and nobody's helping them figure it out and that's true whether it's in junior church or the bus route or vbs and often in the prison and in the recovery house broken people all need the same thing they need jesus they need the love of god it's our job to get it to them now, let me just confess, I forgot most of this Wednesday night. Because when you're in the fire, it's like, you said what? You know, you're looking at this little kid that just threatened to do uh, who knows what to you and your whole family. And it's like, what? You can't talk like that. Who do you think you are? And they're off doing this and doing that. And it's like, you, you start to pull your hair out or you go back to the baser instincts. That's why the servant of the Lord has to have a different mind. We must not strive. We take a step back. We take a deep breath. We ask Jesus to flow through us, and we begin working the problem, loving them along the way. We can't help everybody, 
but we'll help some. And the ones we do help will be helped for eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the chance to get together tonight. Love the testimonies. Love the opportunity to rejoice in what you've done.